This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Mr. Chief Justice, please the court. Obscenity has one specific meaning, to appeal to the prurient interest, to get you horny. That's it, obscenity means. It's Life of the Law. I'm Nancy Mullane. Political cartoons are supposed to make us think in a way words just can't. A few lines and an image is born. They can make us uncomfortable, uneasy, even angry. Is it possible a cartoonist can go too far? Who decides? Hans Anderson has the story. Um... Mike Diana lives in a small three-story walk-up apartment in New York City. It's overflowing with comic books and kitschy masks. Friends make gourds, and they have one that's like... Similar, it's a different type of gourd than that, but... He hasn't always lived here. He grew up in Florida. But he can't go back there anymore. To understand why, we have to go back to 1991. It was a brutal killing spree that shocked a college town just as a new semester was beginning. The Gainesville murders. At the same time, authorities were investigating a similar... Was after the Gainesville student murders happened in Gainesville, Florida, and they had not caught a, a suspect yet. college students, four women and one man, were found dead in their Gainesville apartments. The murders were brutal. Some of the victims had been raped, some mutilated and posed in sexual positions. One was decapitated. Public pressure for resort- The crimes received tremendous media attention. They'd later inspire the film Scream. Still, by the following year, the police had few good leads. Then, a possible break in the case. Investigators have been struck by similarities between the Gainesville... A few detectives showed up at Diana's door. Turned out he was a suspect. The detectives were asking questions about a comic book he'd drawn called Boiled Angel. The copy of number six that I sent someone in California, they sent it back to the Florida authorities in the mail. Diana shows me scans of the comic. The first copies I have here now are all switched to their black and white. On the cover, there's a naked man kneeling over a dead woman. The guy is ejaculating and holding a bloody knife. The woman has a screwdriver sticking out of her eye. She's also naked. Her stomach is sliced open, and the man is pulling a baby out of it. Baby mutilation. While he says, I love engaging in antisocial behavior. Anti-religious material. 
The imagery is very graphic, but Diana didn't kill anyone. In the fall of 1991, the police arrested a man named Danny Rawling for the murders. He later confessed to all five, as well as three more. The Gainesville case was the first, but not the last time Diana's comics got him in trouble with the law. Two years later, in 1993, he was charged with a different crime. Publication, distribution, and advertising, obscenity. That morning, it came out in the paper. I was on my way to court, and my father showed me the paper, and he said, you know, you're facing three years in prison. Each count has a year in jail, $1,000 fine. So I went to court to plead not guilty, and there was a mob of TV and newspaper reporters. They were also protesters. As I was walking into the courthouse, they were saying, how can you print this kind of material, and don't you care about the children? Now, you might be saying to yourself, hold on, this is America. Don't we have the right to draw whatever we want? The First Amendment says Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech or the press, right? Well, actually, you don't always have that right. That there were pictures of, if you please, uh, cunnilingus oral copulation, sodomy, oral intercourse. between. This is a recording from the 1973 Supreme Court case Miller versus California. It involved a man named Marvin Miller. He was an adult bookstore owner who had been sending out advertisements to people. For the brochures, which are illustrated history of pornography, sex orgies illustrated, and a book entitled Man Slash Woman. The people who received the ads claimed they were obscene and complained to the police. Obscenity laws originate a long time ago, back in England. They were designed to regulate writings and images that included extreme violence and sexuality but lacked artistic value. In the U.S., the law evolved to include only sexuality, not violence. But determining A, what is extreme, and B, what lacks artistic value, it's tricky. Always has been. Which brings us back to the Miller case. After much discussion, the justices decided his ads were offensive and lacked artistic value. But the case is interesting because of a problem the justices pointed out. Obviously, one local area will accept material that another local area will not. A national standard could very The United States is big, and there are a lot of people. Your idea of what's obscene is likely different from someone else's. And so the court laid out a very specific description of what obscenity is, a description that's now known as the Miller test. The first two criteria are the same. The first criteria, if the work describes sexual conduct in a patently offensive way. This is admittedly a little slippery. The second, if the work, taken as a whole, lacks serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. We'll get to the challenge of determining that in a minute. The third criteria addresses the problem the justices identified. The work, applying contemporary community standards, appeals to the purient interest. Purient means appealing to an excessive sexual desire. And the Miller test left the determination of what is excessive up to the community. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com.
So in 1993, when Mike Diana went to court, the Miller test is what he faced. Let's just start with the first part of the test. Yes, Boiled Angel depicts sex. Yes, it can be considered offensive. But then again, that was the point, which brings us to criteria number two. Diana argued that his comic book had value. They were art, designed to make people think about the awful things happening in the world every day. A big influence for me was watching the TV news. I seemed obsessed with watching the nightly news in Florida. Lots of reports about priests molesting children, strange murders. Well, I felt like I wanted to open society's eyes to what was going on around them. It seemed like people were so desensitized about their surroundings that they didn't really care. But when it comes to art and obscenity... The difficulty is, it's never been easy to define. That's Bob Corn Revere, a First Amendment lawyer on retainer for the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, which set up Diana's defense. Obscenity is the only crime that I'm aware of where you don't know you've committed it until the jury tells you you have, right? If you break into a, a hardware store, you know you've committed a crime. But if you produce a work of art or you produce a comic book or something else, you don't know that's obscene until someone forces a jury to read it against their will. And an artist's idea of what's obscene is often different from a jury's. This has been a problem for performers and artists for a long time. Take comedian Lenny Bruce. Obscenity has one specific meaning, to appeal to the prurient interest, to get you horny. That's what obscenity means, yes. See, if that's why... Prosecutors went after Lenny Bruce, in part because his material was very challenging. It, it included social commentary. It included criticism of religion. Bruce was charged with obscenity multiple times in California, New York, and Illinois. It's almost impossible to imagine in today's world. But this happened at a time when society was going through a lot of change. At the same time, the courts were going through a lot of change. The Supreme Court was struggling with how to define obscenity. And this was the kind of thing that received obscenity prosecutions, just as steamy novels were the subject of obscenity prosecutions. But the biggest problem for Diana was the third criteria of the Miller test, the community standard. It didn't matter if some people in other parts of the country thought Boiled Angel was art. His jury in Largo didn't. Stuart Bagish had a famous line. Bagish was the head prosecutor for the state of Florida in Diana's case. That said, um, in Pinellas County, Florida, we don't have to accept what's acceptable in the bathhouses of San Francisco and the crack alleys of New York. The whole quote is Pinellas County has its own identity. It doesn't have to accept what is acceptable in the bathhouses of San Francisco. It doesn't have to accept what is acceptable on crack alleys in New York. This is Pinellas County. So if we suppress obscenity, it's because we as a community don't want people behaving like that in public. That's Robert Post. He's dean of the Yale Law School. He says the Miller test forces a community to draw a line between art and obscenity. What sort of things do you want to study and what sort of things do you want to burn in the street? But that line moves depending on time and place. Take the photographs of Robert Maplethorpe. They're black and white Polaroids that depict bondage, BDSM, and nude children. Now, they're considered high art. But the director of the Contemporary Art Center in Cincinnati was prosecuted for obscenity when he displayed the same photos in 1990. He wasn't convicted. Well, you see, when you ask a question like, is the Maplethorpe uh, obscene, you, the presupposition is that there's a definition of obscenity that, one, that is real. And 
what I'm suggesting is that it's always a sociological marker of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Which is what the prosecution was trying to prove in Mike Diana's case. That Boiled Angel was not art at that time in that place. Take the comic Baby Fuck Dog Food. Which was based on a true story, a newspaper article about the family who ended up killing the infant and feeding the remains to the dog to get rid of the body. The prosecution had an art expert from Eckerd College in nearby St. Petersburg. So the art expert had made large blow-ups of the comic poster board, was pointing out different things, um, pointed out the lines and said, wow, do you see the way he drew these lines? And he says, it shows the power, I mean, the power in this drawing. And every time he would call it a drawing, the prosecutor would say, oh, but this is not considered art, right? And he'd say, no, no, absolutely not. At the end of the trial, Diana was found guilty of all three counts and was sentenced. Three years probation, $3,000 fine. He was ordered to stay away from minors. I had to get a psychiatric evaluation at my own expense and any treatment they felt necessary. Three years community service at eight hours a week. I was ordered not to draw anything that can be considered obscene, even for my own personal use. And the police were allowed to come to my house to make searches without a warrant, surprise searches, to look for artwork. Diana appealed the case, but he also left his hometown of Largo, Florida. That trial took place in 1994. Today, things are different. Well, the, the amount of obscenity on the internet is staggering. That's Robert Post again. Consider internet porn. There's a ton of it out there. It's impossible to say how much, but estimates range from 4 to 37% of the entire internet. But the makers and distributors of it are rarely prosecuted for obscenity. Even before the internet, prosecutions of obscenity were becoming less common. Post attributes this to our evolving views on sexuality. But the obscenity law still survives. In 2005, then-Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez set up an obscenity prosecution task force. About 360 people were charged with obscenity during the Bush administration. No one quite understands why it survives as an exception to general freedom of speech. The one answer must be that the justices of the United States Supreme Court believe that unless the law sets a floor on how you can behave in public, we will corrupt ourselves as a society and lose any sense of, of decency. It would be nice if the obscenity law was more clear. But then again, what would a perfect obscenity law look like? It's hard to imagine one law that weaves together cultures and sexual norms for all of us. One that draws a line that says, you can say or draw this, but not that. And draws a line that everybody in America would agree on. Until we have such a law, artists like Mike Diana are prone to getting caught on the wrong side of that line. When he left Florida and moved to New York, Diana violated his parole. If he goes back, he'll be arrested. Well, I hope someday to be able to go to Florida freely to get the probation and all that taken care of and out of the way and... I'll feel better about it then. Diana is living as a cultural exile. His work is shown in places like New York and London, even Miami. But his work still isn't considered art in Largo. It's obscene. So somewhere between Largo and Miami, Diana's work becomes art. It's just not clear where that place is. For Life of the Law, I'm Hans Anderson.
Pat Walters is our senior editor. Sally Herships edited Boiled Angel Number no. 6. Caitlin Prest and Zach Hirsch created the sound design and produced the story with music by Todd McDonald, Matthew Darr, and Kyle Kaplan. Special thanks to our advisory panel scholar, Laura Beth Nielsen, for her insight and support as we produce this story. We're a nonprofit project of the Tide Center, and we're part of the Infinite Guest Network of Podcasts from American Public Media. If you haven't heard, you must remember this. You're missing out. Karina Longworth explores the secrets of 20th century Hollywood and its fascinating history. You can hear her podcast by visiting infiniteguest.org and pressing the play button. You can also find Life of the Law on PRX, publicradioexchange.org. We're funded by the Open Society Foundation, the Law and Society Association, the Proteus Fund, and by you. If you've just discovered Life of the Law, welcome. We're glad to have you. And please sign in so we can send you a copy of our monthly newsletter with news about our next live law storytelling event somewhere in the U.S., which you can also hear on our website, lifeofthelaw.org. Stay tuned for our next podcast. I'm Nancy Mullane. Hi, I'm Amy Choi. And I'm Rebecca Lair. And we are the Mashup Americans. The Mashup Americans. <laughs> uh, think of us as your guide to the hyphen America world we live in. Are you first generation Korean American, married to a Colombian Mexican American, and making beige babies? Us too. Or do you speak three languages and eat Salvadoran pupusas at Shabbat? Is Spanglish your best language? That's me. <laughs> uh, Spanglish is definitely your best language. Yeah, it was kind of a problem in graduate school. <laughs> eh, don't worry about it. We're, we're done with that. So we've got a new show here on the awesome Infinite Guest Network. You can go search for Mashup Americans in your favorite podcast app and check it out. We've got a great story about the mashup life of Donald Trump. Oh, and I just went to Margaret Cho's house to Netflix and chill. Kind of. <laughs> oh, my God. Vamos, let's do this. As we like to say. 